Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. I'm your host, Ben Perez. Welcoming my good friend and co-host back to the podcast, the CEO of All Things Analysis, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. What's poppin', Benny? What's poppin', my man? You excited for some Week 10 action? Oh, dude, can't get enough. I'll be watching Week 10 from Germany, so I've been told <laughs> that uh, the 1 o'clock games on the East Coast actually will be 7 p.m. there. So it's going to be a That's late night nice. for your boy. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to well, watch you're not catch the second wave. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. catch the second but wave. My, my daily activities actually won't be interrupted at all. So <laughs> just do a little bit of sightseeing. I'm excited. Doing a little, a little uh, business action out in Germany, helping the company out. Company, good company man over there. Uh, always, man. When when it comes to my my day job or when it comes to ATA, you know I'm a company man. <laughs> I like it, man. All right, let's dive into it. We're, we're going to be talking about some Week Ten action, previewing our vicious players of the week from the last seven days. You're you're killing me, Smalls. The, the disappointments we've seen over the last few few days. Our waiver tar- our waiver targets heading into the NFL's Week Ten slate of games. Guys, you want to stash on the ends of your benches. Some power ranking movement. Connor and I updating our all things analysis power rankings on our website on the, a, a weekly basis. And we're going to be talking about some of our biggest movers and shakers in there. Also, we'll be getting to our NFL picks against the spread. We'll be highlighting three of our favorite games on the week. And then finally wrapping it, finally wrapping it up with our DFS lineups for the week. Did I miss anything? No, I don't think you did. I think you, you hit all the points, and uh, it's going to be a, a good rundown on a podcast right here, baby. For sure. Man, what have you – we were talking about this on the podcast before we get into it. I wanted to mention, like, the amount of co- the content that we both have been consuming just for um, for fa- for fantasy football, for NFL football, for research, it's, like, it's been getting o- borderline, like, overwhelming. How do you, like, manage your schedule throughout the week in terms of, like, trying to – manage like research listening to podcasts like I, i'm just like for, for out of curiosity's sake like i'm interested to see how you do it because for me like that's the primary reason why we're not able to get our podcasts and our columns out you know by wednesday or thursday because i know like those are the the best days to give our listeners and our and our readers like the more time to review our content but we need the extra time to like just dive into everything we want to we want to talk about right I think what's really important, not only to do our own research, but to take in the opinions of others, you're absolutely right. So the advantage we have by coming in late and giving our, not only our advice and our analytics late, but it also helps to be able to digest so many different resources and podcasts. So I'm listening to, you know, fantasy footballers when I'm driving into work. If I'm on a lunch break, I'm popping the headphones and I'm listening to something. If I'm showering, I'm tossing in podcasts, cooking lunch. If I'm working from home, that's really when I get my time to, you know, pop into ESPN's fantasy football podcast, listen to some of the ringer, all of that good show, you know, and then obviously the DFS side as well. And, you know, sprinkle in a little bit of a murder who done it podcast here or there, you know, because it can't, it can't be all analytics and fantasy football all the time, but I'm sure you're doing the same thing while you're, you're typing away in your no, spreadsheets. I'm 100% fantasy and... football and NFL football content oh! all day. And I'm... <laughs> you think you're better than me? <laughs> no, it's, um, it's been one thing I want to say too, is I, I, we, I, we have to try our best and, and I do try my best at trying not to let other opinions or other like things that I read. I'm not, I'm trying to my best not to steal opinions. And when I do, I try to mention it um, just because I really respect the person, their opinion in this specific con this subject. Um, but 
I think it, it's nice to react to what you're listening to. It's kind of, you know, we're listening to experts, but also, I mean, especially with guys like ESPN and such big platforms like ESPN, The Ringer, like there's millions of people listening to those those podcasts, those articles that you're reading. Like, so th- it's almost like there's a tertiary market to try to analyze the, the analysts almost analyzing like, is the public too high on this person? Are they, you know, are, are listeners listening too much to Matthew Barry, who likes this player that we don't like? Like, and, mm-hmm. and then we have the data to try to back that up. There, there are instances where we, if we, even if we don't share, um, you know, that we disagree with a specific person, you'll hear like we have a con- differing opinion sometimes to a lot of the people that you'll listen to out there in in this in this market in this space. And if you're talking about like a DFS tournament where you're trying to have a contrarian play that has a small ownership percentage, it's important to know what the big talkers in the game are talking about and who they're on in terms of what's going to be the chalkiest play of the week. Absolutely. So if we're able to say that, hey, I listen to Matthew Berry, I listen to the guys at Fantasy Footballers, and I listen to The Ringer, and they're all on this one player, but we did a little bit of further research, the analytics tell us, we actually think he's a fade. That's a huge advantage for our listeners who can then have that contrarian yeah. play in their lineups and have the advantage over everybody else who is just listening to the talking heads out there. Now, I'm not saying these guys don't have great advice because 90% of the time they're tipping us off to something that we also like and are on to. But that 10% of the time is where you get the advantage of listening to the all the other content and being able to dig a little bit deeper. Definitely, definitely. Also, one thing that I hear a lot of people don't cover and, and a lot of, I've never heard anybody talk about this in any of these advanced um, stat platforms or podcasts or fantasy football analysis stuff is let me tell you about like the websites and, and the research tools that I use personally, mm-hmm. because these are the things that like, I, I, I've, I've tried to ask people about advanced statistic websites and, and ways to acquire analysis and how to do your research and, there is it, it's taking me like a long time to try to master and i still haven't mastered it by any means but like when i'm researching games and when i'm doing the analysis for the podcast and our, and our columns each week i have literally like dozens and dozens of tabs up on my laptop and, and i have a good dozen plus sites that i'm using and i'm pulling information from you know the websites like pff.com i bought a subscription for them this year i can't i, I know it's kind of a pricey website but the data on pff.com is the most it, it is the best organized advanced statistic database i've ever used it it doesn't necessarily have all the best stats that you're looking for but it is the most organized and that is what i like about it most it is the easiest accessible uh site if you i mean you got to pay for it it's not it's not the cheapest so some free stuff i like to use sharp football sharpfootball.com i think it's called excellent excellent stuff on there really good at success rate they also break down personnel groupings they break down uh uh, explosiveness of of offenses and defenses there's a lot of stuff you can get into they have sharp box scores every week where they break down the success rate the plays everything from every game of the the prior nfl week and those are super helpful there's a lot of great information on there the it group the it for that for that website is not excellent it is, it does have some like some shakiness with the IT, but it makes sense that it's free. If that's the case, you know. There's like some really smart people putting those together that don't necessarily have maybe the computer IT background, but it is great information. I would recommend them. Sharpfootball.com. Also use Football Outsiders a lot. 
DVOA they're famous for, but there's a lot of great stuff on Football Outsiders. Um, you know, they also have pace of play. They have uh, drive stats. They have offensive and defensive line stats. A lot of great stuff in there. Football Outsiders. Football Reference is always the default too. There's just so yep. many stats on Football Football Reference. Um, for raw data. Yeah, and then I also have a bunch of small sites too that I look for like betting trends. I go to Action Network to talk to look at where's the public on on who, who are they betting on that that week. You know, they tell you for free. They'll tell you the percentage of bets placed on each team for the, each matchup of the week. Um, I have websites where I look at um, you know t- how teams perform against the spread with specific splits. They'll tell you. Uh, I think it's TeamRankings.com. Let me double check that for you. But while I talk, while I look this up, I think uh, this is this this is the site I use for looking up uh, ATS trends for teams, and they'll tell you over the season what they're, how they're performing against the spread. But they'll also tell you like since two thousand and three, with a rest diff, diff, uh, disadvantage, this team has done this well against the spread. They so they have some really interesting splits there, um, and, and these are just the types of things you know. I, I've I found a lot of things just through googling and spending time trying to find, you know, the best sites to use when putting together my my comprehensive research and analysis. And you got to pull from as many information sources as you can. And yeah, that's TeamRankings.com. They have a ton of fr- great free football stats. They have a lot of a lot of stuff in there that I haven't even gotten to as well. Um, but they have a ton of splits you could look at. They have like time of possession, average time of possession for each team. I've used there. Um, they have tons of stuff and the, th- the point is, you know, I- I've only given you a, a, a probably a, a, a nice sliver of the pie of information that I pull from, but there's so many things that so many information sources that you got to be utilizing when, you know, making informed fantasy football, informed gambling, um, and informed sports analysis decisions. And if, if you're not doing these things, that's what you know we're here for that's what we, you you can you consume our content here on the podcast you go to ata.com allthingsanalysis.com we're gonna be doing our best to try to share we're trying our best to share all the information we can with you um and and that's the point that's why we're here we enjoy it you know that's that's priority number one we enjoy talking about football about sports about everything that we we do here um and it's been fun and it, it's been it's been a routine that is hard to, to master um and you can see why some people get paid to do this professionally with the schedule that you have to maintain to get things out on a timely basis. But, you know, we're, we've done our best and I think we've, we've done pretty well with, with our uh, recommendations, at least this season and last season too. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, based on the DFS uh, statistics that we'll get uh, into later in the show, you can absolutely uh, make that connection for the past two years. Yeah. All right, buddy. Let's dive into our first segment we want uh, on the docket here for episode. This is going to be 91 of Vicious Talk with Benny P. All right, Vicious Players of the Week, Connor. The players who left it all out on the line over the last seven days, guys who put it all out on the field, left nothing back, looked at themselves at the end of the day in the mirror and said, I was vicious today. Who is your Vicious Player or Players of the Week? I want to talk about some underdog team defenses that really impressed me this week. Denver Broncos showed out in the wake of them trading Von Miller. They went ahead and shut down the Dallas Cowboys offense with Dak Prescott back, which really seemed like a surprise, something we did not expect. That team looked dominant. Then on the other side, you had the Jacksonville Jaguars 
who went ahead and shut down the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, one of the preeminent offenses in Super Bowl favorites this year. Two completely mind-blowing situations, two great team defensive performances, and they are my vicious team plays of the week. No, I like it. It was the week of the underdogs last week. Um, I, I wrote some stats down here. We could read them off. Underdogs last week against the spread went 10 and 4. They covered 71.4% of the uh, the spreads. If you just bet underdogs last week, you won a lot of money. You would have won a lot of money. There were some um, mind-blowing parlays that if you laid like $1,000, yeah. you could have won 356000 if you just yeah. bet the underdogs to win the games. They went, they went 7 and 6 straight up. So there were seven underdogs that were straight up. They They won the game. game. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Miami last night continued the trend. They beat Baltimore on Thursday night football. That was a shocking outcome. Baltimore looked like a team that was rolling. It just kind of shows you that this AFC conference is just so wide open. Every team has its flaws. Every team can lose at any moment in the AFC and in the NFL in general, but specifically in that AFC more, more so. Um, and on the season now, underdogs are covering against the spread 58, 58.1% of the time. They're 79, 57, and 1 ATS. Road dogs. This is going to be the theme of my picks against the spread this week, I believe. Road underdogs this, this season are 51, 31, and 1, covering 62.2% of the spreads on this season. That is an absurd rate nine weeks through the season. That is statistically very significant. Wow. Yeah. Kind of, kind of go goes, uh, and we'll roll into the, "You're Killing Me" small segment in a second. Wanted to mention my honorable mention for you. You pick, you pick the number one option. You know, it's underdogs, underdog defenses. That is, that is the vicious players. Those are the vicious players of the week. And, and props to Jaguars, Broncos, Titans, Dolphins. All great, all great games over the last seven days. Want to highlight also, I did this last week too. I think it was last week. Clippers and my boy Paul George. Been excellent. Clippers went undefeated last week. Paul George is now getting to the, thrusted into the uh, top, I would say he's a top three MVP candidate right now in the NBA. He's looked excellent to start the season. Really goes to show that, you know, when he's cap- when he's asked to lead the, an NBA team, he is more than capable of doing that. He's continued the momentum from the playoffs last season. He's really just an excellent all-around player, doing it on both ends of the court, leading the Clippers to their seven and four now, I believe, on the season. I think they're they're in the sixth seed, and they started off the year zero and three, I believe. I think one and four after five games, really coming on strong now. And um, I think that we're gonna, I think they're gonna settle in right around the four to six range in the playoffs. I like them to stay out of the playing game. Um, and, and that wasn't something that was necessarily a popular opinion. And one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight the Clippers and Paul George was the fact that so, we talked about how we consume so much content. I love Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons talks so much shit about the Clippers. He loves to bat, bash on the Clippers, and rightfully so. They have a very turmoiled history. They haven't had a lot of success as a franchise, obviously. But Bill Simmons just seems to have some sort of gripe with like he never wants to give the Clippers their their roses. He never wants to praise them. It's very far far and few between the the positive comments that Simmons makes 
about the Clippers. And finally, on his podcast he released today, it was like in the title was Paul George MVP run. Paul George is like he he giving him his praise, saying like he's looked excellent. He's comparing him to um you know just some of the excellent players. He's saying he's like a top eight, top seven small forward of the last few the last few decades. Like really giving Paul George his roses. It's like about fucking time, Bill Simmons. You know, it's like. The clip and he just casually says, "Oh, the Clippers are now the sixth seed." You know, it seems like we could pencil them in there essentially. And I was like, Simmons was like talking about the Clippers borderline not making the playoffs preseason. And I was like, Simmons, you're so off on this. I was like shouting at my radio in the car, like Simmons, you're so wrong about the Clippers. And finally, like he's just casually like he's hopping on. He's a believer of the Clippers now. It's like, dude, too late, too late, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're mad at your fellow la native or uh, not native uh la citizen now you know it's fair. <laughs> he, he he likes to tout that he has uh clippers season tickets yeah. and yet it doesn't really seem like he actually backs the team it's it's, it's a weird connection he has there i think yeah. he's just too cheap to pay for lakers season tickets in, in <laughs> everybody is that's that's ultimately <laughs> why i became a clippers fan as a kid we were too we were too poor to get lakers, lakers season tickets, tickets. Too expensive yeah <laughs> all right connor Let's roll into you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. These are the teams that we talked about got beaten by our vicious players of the week. And ultimately, these are teams that should not have lost to the teams they did. And on the other end, when there's a big victory, a big upset, there is a big loser and a big disappointment. And that's the teams we want to highlight. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. And um, one of those teams I want to highlight is the Kansas City Chiefs offense. They they personally let me down in my DFS picks. <laughs> I, I had this. I had this. This is not stack. one of the they won last week, but I you're know right. barely against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. It was not a convincing outing. You know, I really thought they were going to finally resurrect and smash against a rookie quarterback in his first ever NFL start. Patrick Mahomes got me ten fantasy points in DraftKings. Tyreek Hill got me like seven. Nicole Hardman got me five. I, I was completely let down. Travis Kelsey barely kept me afloat in, in my actual fantasy roster. The Kansas City Chiefs have been a complete disappointment on the season, in fantasy, in, in DFS, in everything to this point. Everybody who had Super Bowl bets on them, everybody who had Patrick Mahomes MVP bets, everybody who, who bought into his rookie card. Is it possible? They're, 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 they're saying you're killing me yeah. smalls at this point. And that's why I wanted to highlight. I know they won. <laughs> is it possible that me. this is, um, you know, what are they still five and four, right? Are they still, are they five and four? I think they're five I think and four. That sounds so, right. That sounds right. They, it's possible that in the world that we live in with social media, with now sports gambling become increasingly legal with uh fantasy football being more popular than ever that like a disappointment that is of such a small magnitude you know the, realistically you know, if the chiefs didn't have such high expectations would we would be talking about them you know maybe maybe they're a gritty playoff team maybe they could sneak into the playoffs and then they could win the super bowl on the back of a quarterback as talented as patrick mahomes and there's still some optimism if, if you want to look at it that way but with in the world that we live in you know, with so much hyper analyzation with these types of things, when you're a team with such high expectations coming into the season, is it possible that you know people are blowing this whole Chiefs thing a little bit out of out of proportion? Well, you know what else makes it brutal is all the content creators and all the social media <laughs> the people, the people like us who are adding into it. 
but I was I was watching um I, I was on Twitter the other night while watching the the Dolphins and Ravens game and Patrick Mahomes made a tweet after the offensive lineman scored an illegal touchdown an, an mm-hmm. incredible play of offensive yeah. athleticism which was amazing to watch <laughs> he flipped so, that was that was so unreal he, he, he still had the wherewithal to reach the ball over the line yeah. the, the, the entire play didn't count he landed go on back his head and watch it. You haven't seen it. it was awesome might have done permanent damage to his neck you absolutely go back and watch it and so Patrick Mahomes tweeted no, what the hell is going on? You know, some, something to that, you know, sentiment. And I was reading through the comments and it was just like, shut up, boy. You throw out too many INTs. You, you have no right to speak right now. Look at your record. I, you know, I bet X amount of money on you. Stop being on Twitter and get to bed. You know, oh like focus on football. You don't need to be watching, you know. People blah, are blah, such blah. assholes, man. Unreal. And so that I think there is this overemphasis to social media, the constant attention and to the negativity you're right this is still a team that's over 500 they're figuring things out on defense but they have some of the most talented players so yes maybe i'm overreacting but to this point the one thing that i think is the one thing i don't think is an overreaction is travis kelsey isn't isn't the same dominant player he was and i think Mm -hmm. that's one of the the key cogs to the machine of the Chiefs' offense. Mahomes yeah. isn't looking for him in the same way. There were there were well, games, he's not, and I he's not it getting separation like he usually does. He's not. He's not. He's he the, the he kind of falls into he he's starting to fall into that um the the same way Gronk used to get physical play from defending secondary players. Um, it's kind of like the Shaq treatment. It's like you foul him enough times, eventually the referees are going to stop calling it. They're mm-hmm. going to allow the phys- uh, a level of physicality that isn't necessarily allowed to other players. But because mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey is so big, so fast, so dominant, the secondary players that are guarding him are able to get, get away with more because it's consistent. And but they do it every play. And they're, they're saying and, they're yeah. actually going to call it every play. Yeah, you can't. You can't. And, you know, he's also maybe not as explosive as maybe he's playing through an injury or maybe he's just something's up. A little bit older. But he's, He's not as explosive as we've grown. He, like, he's still a tight end one in fantasy football, but I think it it's an interesting he, he, idea that maybe he isn't quite himself anymore. He's not the wide receiver one he was last year. He's not earning that first-round draft pick that you spent on him to this point. Yeah, so that's something to keep an eye on. That is that is the one thing that I am actually concerned about with the Chiefs. Other than that, he's, he's, the, 32, the Mahomes... he's on the wrong side of 30. He's getting older. Yeah. It, it could be a factor of just repeated punishment year after year. He's one of the most heavily targeted players in the NFL. It takes the, Mahomes, the Mahomes turnovers I'm not worried about. I, I, I think that a lot of that is just the fact that he's trying to do too much because his team's been struggling. And um, I, I, I'm not. I, that's not something I would place too much concern about. I wanted to look up. So Kelsey right now is averaging 3.2 yards of separation. I wonder how that would compare to his previous seasons. It's actually a pretty well above league average. So I'm interested to see. That's 2021, 2022. What was he averaging in separation? Well, my feeling in watching some of these games is that Kelsey's still open, but Mahomes is pressing so much because the defense is so bad that it feels like he's trying to manufacture the deep shot when it's not there. He's not connecting with 
Tyreek Hill at the same rate he was in previous seasons. He's, he's not hitting these long shot bombs to Sammy Watkins and Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. It seems like he, he's throwing them still, but the defense is ready for him. I, I feel like a lot of times Travis Kelsey's being overlooked while he's still being open on the, the 11 or 12 yard route. But because the other teams are putting so much pressure on the defense, scoring so much against the Chiefs, Mahomes is really trying to force those plays even when they're not there. And it's leading to a lot of inefficiencies on offense. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's it's comparable to last year. So I think it's more of a of the eye test kind of place is telling us that maybe Kelsey is, isn't there. Um, other you're killing me, Smalls candidates. You know, <laughs> I got to mention the NFL referee has just been horrendous this season. And specifically that taunting call on Monday Night Football. It seemed like it was, it was a legitimate possibility that the referees had money on the football game and were trying to fix the game for the Steelers. It, it, the referee stuck his hip out. That was, that was ridiculous. He stuck his hip out, got the contact from the player, threw the flag, tried to say that it was because he was looking at the sideline, and that didn't happen until after that he had done that. Like The referees have been borderline just like inexcusably horrendous. And I, you would like to think that there's some sort of self self analysis or self, you know, performance review for these guys. But I don't know how much how I don't I don't see how it's going to get better. And and really, these taunting calls are just you 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 see like that like Mike Mike Tomlin, the coach for the Steelers, was saying that he likes the taunting calls. And I'm just like, how can you like these? Like, what is this doing for your game? Like, you're trying to take the thugness out, like quote unquote thugness, I guess. Like. Come on, like that's not thug. That's just guys having fun and releasing some energy. They're not hitting nobody. They're not hurting anyone. They're not, you know, getting vulgar to the crowd. They're not doing anything inappropriate for the most part. And when they do something inappropriate, they're almost always flagged. So it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's been pretty bad. Last year, killing me smalls. I wanted to mention home field advantage. We we talked about how road underdogs have been doing so well, but the home field advantage is practically non-existent nowadays. Home teams right now on the season, 67 and 70 straight up. They're winning 48.9% of the time. I think that is by far the lowest amount of wins from home teams um, that we've seen in a long time. Like not even that long ago, like home teams were literally winning like 60% of the games. And there was a like a legitimate like three point cushion in gambling spreads because of like you know the home teams had the advantage, and I don't know what the difference is now, but road teams are covering against the spread seventy seven and fifty nine and one fifty six point six percent just road teams their favorites underdogs all of it just road teams covering fifty six point six percent of the games this season, I it's 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 a bizarre trend and. I, it's, it's possible that just these fans are not impacting the game anymore. I don't know. We're not. We're definitely not seeing the normal hometown favorites with the great success. If you think about those teams that usually have success in their hometown stadiums, well, it's uh, it's the Seahawks and it's the Kansas City Chiefs that typically have the loudest stadiums with the most home field advantage, and yeah. those teams aren't performing up to par. So maybe that's skewing the stats. Yeah. Saints, Vikings. I think the Raiders have a good home field advantage. I, it, it's dwindling, right? But it's dwindling. There's no Drew Brees anymore. Yeah. 
So I don't know. It might just be you're right. It might be the fact that some of these teams that I mean, teams are known for typically have the great yeah. home field advantage. So maybe it's, it's not a crowd factor. Maybe it's, it's just, just the teams unique. that regressed. Okay, like a I weird can see that situation where the same, like literally the three teams that you think of: Saints, Chiefs, Seahawks. Russell Wilson goes down. down seasons, Patrick yeah. Mahomes is having his worst season of his career. Drew Brees just left the Saints, and they just lost James Winston too. Maybe yeah. it's just one of a weird, like a weird quandary where just the impact of the home teams is completely canceled out by the fact that those teams that usually have the huge advantage are bad. Interesting. <laughs> you, you might be right there. All right, that was you're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. Connor, who are the waiver targets we want to talk about heading into the Week Ten? slate of games these are fantasy football players that if you have an open bench spot or you have someone that you don't mind dropping at the back end of your benches who are some guys that we would recommend picking up heading into our week 10 slate well i hope you already picked up Dernis johnson because he's going to be an absolute smash <laughs> that we've been saying for a week so he's definitely like heavily rostered at that at this point but cream hunt and nick chub out he went for like 140 yards and touchdown when he got the starting role, so he should be a smash play. He's probably already rostered, but if you're in a weird league with like eight men, still I would go ahead and check it out. Um, but other than that, I think like maybe the Pats backup running backs are interesting, Ramondre and Bolden, depending on whether um, you know the, the actual starters are going to be there this week and Davian Harris, he's questionable. Ramondre himself is questionable. With They're both in concussion protocol, I believe. Uh, so maybe yeah. Brandon Bolden is the best play of the week there. So all three of them, I think, need to, to, to be rostered. And I think that the back two are probably under 20% themselves. No, I like that. Ramondre, too. I mean, just the fact that he's questionable with his own concussion, possible uh, possible concussion keeping him out. Um, I think the fact that he has his own questionable tag has been keeping that own, owned percentage down. Um, and the fact is, Ramondre might be a stash rest of season because Damian Harris, when healthy, has looked like a, a pretty solid RB2. So it would not hurt you to go out and grab his handcuff. Um, and Ramondre, when he's gotten his limited action, looked pretty good last week when he played. He's been getting more work. Yeah, been getting more work the last few weeks, um, and so I, if you're a Damian Harris owner, I would not, uh, I would not uh, be afraid of going out to grab Ramondre. He's he's a good pickup. Nine point five percent rostered in ESPN leagues. The guy I wanted to highlight, I could not believe it when I saw his roster percentage. Sony Michelle, twenty six point eight percent rostered ESPN. For me, he that needs to be like in the sixties at at least. Like he's a must own handcuff right now daryl henderson has an injury history all right he's not he's he he's picked up he consistently over the last few seasons he's picked up injuries that kept him out of games he's already had the rib injury earlier this year i think he you know i think he's bound to miss a game or two at some point again um but the fact is you know sony is one of the most effective handcuffs out there and the rams have one of the best running games for me sony michelle is like a handcuff on the level of tony pollard and alexander madison like he he's He's one of the top three or four handcuffs in the NFL, and you you gotta you gotta win him. If if you're Daryl Henderson owner, you gotta go get Sony Michelle because you're relying a lot on Henderson now. He's an RB one at this point in the season, and uh, Sony is a must own for every Daryl Henderson owner out there. Yeah, I mean, it, it just if you think about. Daryl Henderson's workload and his, his success already on offense. Sonny Michelle, we still think is a decent enough player where he can be 80% of what Henderson is. I think he's even more than is, that. Exactly. Which, which has been an RB one to this point in the season. So that, that position absolutely needs to be on that. That's a hundred percent. Correct. 
Yeah. All right. I like this next one you mentioned. Um, you want to talk about the tight end we highlighted for the Jaguars? Yeah, Dan Arnold is seeing a really good workload. I think, uh, you know, close to double-digit targets in two straight weeks, right around like 7 and 10 back-to-back. His yardage holes are high enough in the Jags offense, which, you know, is it going to be more of a passing-heavy offense when they're down in games, which we think will be pretty often considering their success, as long as they're not playing the Buffalo Bills, of course. <laughs> um, but, but Dan Arnold, the postman, as the fantasy football footballers call him because of his name, um, you know, he, he should see a heavy enough target share on a weekly basis where he's fantasy relevant, especially if he puts a, a touchdown in, which which he hasn't done uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then his teammate, Jamal Agnew, he's been getting more target shares over the last few games, just 7.8% rostered on ESPN. He's been someone that has been showing a propensity for more targets, more work share, more explosiveness. Um, you know, the loss of DJ Chark has opened up a window for him and LaVisca Chenault's been missing some games too. So, um, you know, the opportunity for the young rookie is, is probably growing as, as the season goes on. So just 7.8% rostered, like you said, the same reasons, you know, the passing game on the Jaguars is growing. It's improving. Um, I just, um, I just don't know how optimistic I could get about anybody on the Jaguars right now with urban Meyer coaching, but you got the win last week against a very good Buffalo team. So, I'm not, it, this isn't the place to talk bad about them. Um, Agnew is not not a terrible roster stash right now. Yeah, absolutely makes sense, and he's also both of those guys are good values in DFS as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've been talking about Jarrett Patterson consistently over the last few episodes. I just got to mention him again. Point nine percent rostered. He needs them. he needs to be rostered um, for every Gibson owner, and really it. it the biggest fear though is that like you know gibson maybe gets like 50 to 60 like 40 to 60 percent of the workload the rest of the way finishes out the season with one leg and patterson gets like 30 percent or 25 percent of the touches which seems to be kind of what it's trending to and nobody in this offense cooks you know besides maybe jd mckissick in a passing situation and uh, mckissick is actually a decent value for dfs this week but the guy that I'm keeping as my handcuff for Gibson is definitely Jarrett Patterson. I mean, this team's out of contention. There's a great chance they want to protect one of their future studs for years to come in Antonio Gibson. They might just say, hey, shut it down, rest that stress fracture, and in which case you absolutely want to be the Patterson owner. Definitely. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 17% owned in ESPN. I can't believe it's that low. The guy had a – I know he only had three targets last week. He had the big reception for a touchdown, obviously. He's going to be someone that's his target share is going to keep rising. Um, you know, no OBJ. Jarvis Landry has been gimpy all season. It's like, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of the default guy there. And then similarly, you know, David Njoku, his teammate, the tight end, his, his target share has been growing. He's 5.6% rostered. The tight end position in fantasy is pretty thin. Joku kind of, you know, offers a little bit more upside at around for someone, you know, so few, so few people roster. You're not going to see many tight ends with the upside that Joku potentially has should he grow into a bigger role with Cleveland. Yeah, I like both of those plays. Donovan Peoples-Jones is absolutely the, the deep threat now with OBJ gone. So he should see the, the high-value play. So even if it's a low target share, he still has the potential to put up 80 yards and a touchdown, yeah. even in a three-target game like yeah. he did last week. And Joe is still one of the most athletic tight ends. Even if he's sharing time with Austin Hooper, he can make a big play happen. Yeah. He can get a touchdown. Yeah. 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, too, PFF grades him as the third best receiver in single coverage. So he's incredibly difficult to guard in single coverage. So that, that bodes well for a deep threat like him. Um, Cleveland Browns defense. They were dropped in a lot of leagues over the last few weeks, uh, last couple of weeks. They've been struggling at times, but they also, you know, they played well against Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was able to snag them in a league, and they had the Lions next week. So you got New, New England is, is not necessarily the best matchup. They're not a terrible matchup, um, but they do have the Lions next week. So if, this is at this point in the season, you know, I've been trying to make an effort to look at defenses that might be available with, you know, the Jets, the Lions, the Texans, the, the you know, Jaguars up, up coming up on their schedule, um, targeting those defenses to try to stash maybe a week or two in advance so I could get a good matchup there. I like it. You, you got to think a couple weeks ahead with defenses. So, you know, if there's a guy at the end of your roster you're never going to play and there's a, a defense you can go ahead that's like going to be impactful in your starting lineup in a week or two, I would go ahead and add them instead. Definitely. All right, Connor. So um, let's talk about our power rankings for all things analysis. So biggest movers and shakers here for our ATA power rankings. Who are some teams that we've seen this week um, heading to week 10 kind of see the biggest changes in our power rankings heading into week 10 yeah the, the the biggest mover of the week was the tennessee titans they shifted seven spots in our rankings so we overreacted to derrick henry i we think overreacted. we overreacted yeah i mean i, I think we, dro- we we dropped him too low and they've been playing a few weeks without aj brown and julio jones both healthy in the lineup aj brown's comeback he's been fantastic especially in derrick henry's wake uh in his absence julio jones is still a fantastic playmaker and, and it seems like Tannehill is efficient enough where they can get it done that titans defense surprisingly has been very effective um a lot of turnovers created uh fantasy wise they're a great play this week so you know we, we we like the titans we think they're on the upswing we overreacted to derrick henry being out i think that's that's the main thing if if running backs if like if Derrick Henry, the loss of Derrick Henry doesn't affect your team, like, is there a running back that actually matters in this league? Like, it, are there running backs that deserve to be paid more than, like, league minimum? If someone as dominant as Derrick Henry can miss a game or miss the rest of the season, and, I, I, like, we might be jumping the gun. I think, honestly, this week might be the first week we see Tennessee really start to feel the loss of Derrick Henry. But... You know, the first week he's gone, and the, the the run game specifically dominated. They still relied on the run game. They had like a 54% success rate with the rushing attack last week. Tannehill was excellent in play action, and the the same scheme kept ticking. And if, if running backs as good as Derrick Henry don't change your team that much, like, do they really matter? Because I, I don't know what the answer is. It, it seems like backups more and more can just hop in the place of a starter and give right? you like 80% of their workload and the teams can still suffice. You know, I mean, was Adrian Peterson that good last week? Was Jeremy <laughs> McNichols? No, but, but the rest of the team kind of filled in and was able to pick up the slack. Yeah. Yep. All right. Other big movers. We saw the Steelers hop up four points. You know, they had the nice Monday night win against the Bears. They had a 20 to 6 lead late in that game. They almost gave it up, but Big Ben led them to the uh, the late field goal win um over over Chicago. Was I I know I I I moved them up further than you did. Um but is it really just like it feels like the Steelers just have such a high floor that 
although maybe their ceiling doesn't reach the heights of some of these teams that are ranked maybe even behind them, it seems like the Steelers consistently are going to compete in football games for the fact that their defense is so good. Big Ben, although very limited, is is still competent in terms of not turning the ball over too much. He's able to hit short yardage targets. He knows how to manage the offense. You know, it's it's more of, you know, Najee Harris is an, is an excellent playmaker. Like, they... Tomlin has his team coached up so well that it's like, even with such a, a quarterback as, as incompetent, or I, I call him competent and call him incompetent, but like, you know what I mean? Like he, he, he that's, that's the story of Ben Roethlisberger because he throw more than 30 yards at this point. I mean, the guy's washed. I, we, we, we were dying laughing, looking back at that throw that he had to James Washington in, in the third quarter when Washington's like wide open, like 50 yards downfield, crow hops into it, gets all of his momentum behind it, chucks it. Gets it like forty yards, underthrows him by a good like ten to fifteen yards. <laughs> oh my god, I couldn't believe uh, it. Time to retire, right? It's like watching your dad trying to throw football far. It's like <laughs> it's like that. It's at that point where it's like um, you know when you're a kid and and your dad for all your childhood just is like throws the ball further than you, hits the ball harder than you, shoots the ball better than you. It's like, it's it's now at the point where it's like, you're passing your dad in all these like physical attributes where it's like, I could probably throw the ball further than Ben Roethlisberger. I could probably run faster than him. Like, <laughs> Is it to the point where we're like, maybe Mason Rudolph? <laughs> probably Rudolph not. Is, not that Rudolph bad. is bad. Rudolph is bad. No, Big Ben, it, it, he still is able to manage the offense and he keeps it moving, but the offense, their upside is so limited, I mean, especially when you start losing playmakers like Juju Smith-Schuster already earlier in the year, now Claypool this week. Oh, yeah. Guys are dropping like flies. You can't have that in an offense that already lacks explosiveness. So we have, I had them up at 13. You have them at 15. They're probably one of the the, the, the teams that I'm keeping a very close eye on this week um, just because you know they, they are facing the Detroit Lions, and if they lose to the Lions, which I think they, there's a strong possibility they could, I think this is, you know, we'll talk about that when when, when uh, I want to talk briefly about that game. But um, the, the Steelers, if they lost to the Lions, we got to drop them pretty pretty low um, just because, I, you know, the defense it, it can only get you so far in this league. You got to have an offense that's able to move the football. And so they've been able to do well enough to, to you know, stay in this middle tier of, of the NFL. But we'll see if they're able to, to stick up in this, uh, this, this middle tier. They got teams like the Seahawks getting Wilson back. The Colts have been playing better. Bengals are have been hot and cold. The Saints, you know, I feel like if the Saints switch to Taysom Hill, I think they're I think they're a better team. And so um, we'll keep an eye on these teams that might pass up the Steelers. But for now, we had them moving up four spots in Week Ten. Any other yeah, teams? The Steelers are, are like it's just their defense provides such a high floor, even though their offense provides such a low ceiling that I feel like they're just capped right in the middle of our rankings. And that's why I'm like hesitant to move them higher than 15. I just don't know if their ceiling is capable of beating some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there. I don't blame you. Um, you know, it's pop. I, I, I don't want to overreact to the comeback of Russell Wilson just yet because I, I think they're a very conservative team, the Seahawks. But Russell Wilson is just so good that he, he he can work so efficiently in the limited amount of usage that he gets. Um, but. I think there's a strong possibility. I see the Seahawks moving up at least a couple spots if Wilson plays up to his standards this week. Just got to see it. You know, he came back really quickly, but it's crazy the stories you hear about Russell Wilson and his his uh, physical therapy and his like uh, 
healing process he Cryogenic goes through. He has, chambers, he spends he has guys waking up. He has guys waking him up in the middle of the night to like massage his hand and like give him physical therapy. It's like he, it's like 18 hours a day he's doing physical therapy on his hand. It's insane. Um, so we'll see if he's back to 100% this week. He'll be on the football field taking on who who are they facing the the Packers this week. So that's a good matchup, a good test for him. Teams we saw drop, Bengals dropped five spots. They uh they had a bad loss last week to the Browns. They did not look good. They got blown out. So following a bad loss to the Jets, I mean Yeah. I think I think, you know, the defense we wanted to believe that they were playing well and they were playing well. Um but we're starting to see some drop off and some regression there. Um, it's possible. I think you know. I think the offense still has its same identity. I think they, you know, they're a reasonably well-run offense. But the defense was what keep was what keep was keeping their you know potential so high. And with them playing so getting beat up by Mike White two weeks ago, losing so terribly to the Browns last week with Baker Mayfield and, um, and Nick Chubb breaking off 70, 70 yard run touchdowns. It's like, you know, how 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 much can we rely on the Bengals? You know, we were, we were happy to move them up when they were, the defense was playing better. It keeps your floor high, but when you're going to struggle like that, I, I can't give you, I can't give you um, above average, you know, credit. So we'll see. And they still have some stank on them from previous years and the lack of success they've had yeah. over the past decade, essentially. So, you know, maybe we were too excited to move them up in the rankings because we saw the potential of their young crew and, they just might not be there yet. Yeah. New Orleans Saints dropped four spots as well. I think, like I said, I think the Saints are a better team if they put Taysom Hill at quarterback. I think he had a really serious concussion earlier in the year, and I think that's why they're giving him such limited usage. I think it's inevitable at some point. He, they pay him millions of dollars. They, he has one of the larger contracts on that team. He is 30 years old, so you're not like saving him for the future. At some point, this guy needs to be starting at quarterback. That's why you pay him... At, you know he's he's the highest paid backup quarterback in the league probably, and um, you know he he needs to be taking over that starting gig. Simeon is he is a he's a guy he's a body you throw back there like you just he he is able to be maybe like the twenty fifth best quarterback in the NFL on a weekly basis maybe, but probably that's generous honestly. Um, and some of the throws he makes are just straight up not professional grade. Sometimes he's just making throws on the bat on his back foot. Doesn't have the arm strength. Just flutters it out there. It's like in this league, you can't you can't afford to be doing that on a regular basis. And so Simeon is capable of making the occasional throw, but he doesn't have the arm strength to hit guys like Deontay Harris and and Marque- Marquez Callaway and like the, over twenty yards. It's like it's his accuracy just depletes. It, it goes way down. So. Um, I think they're a better team if Hill takes over quarterback. I'm happy to actually move them up maybe one or two spots if they did, just on that. I think the other limiting factor with the Saints is we got word that you know it's likely Michael Thomas isn't going to play this year. So he's not. He 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 said he's out. Kamara's out this week too. No, he's, Kamara has a knee injury. He's out for the week. So I think the acquisition of a lot of Mark, Mark Ingram, playing against them. Yeah, Mark Ingram bringing him in was a good was a good acquisition for them. True, a guy who already knows the uh, the playbook too. Yeah. All right. Anybody else want to highlight really quick before we move into our picks? Um, in terms of some guys who dropped, the other team was the Panthers. Sam Darnold is obviously looking horrible lately. He's uh, out for and the season. as well, he's he's, he's, yeah, 
exactly he's, he's done with injury but so i was gonna say even before that um you know obviously do you, do you trust pj walker or cam newton to get the job done now at this point in their careers Absolutely. no so Robbie Anderson was already playing bad before the Darnold injury went down for the season. DJ Moore has had a rough, like five or six week stretch. He, he was hot earlier in the man. year, but he was, he was looking real good early on. He looked amazing when Darnold was playing well, but obviously Darnold hasn't been right the past few weeks and is done for the year. So, you know, the, the Panthers are in complete disarray at this point. Uh, Got to feel bad for them because it looked like they might contend early yeah. on, but they're they're dropping deep deep down in our rankings. Probably a team that we can we could write off from contention now. Agreed. All right, Connor, let's dive into our picks against the spread. Last week we went we both went eight and six on the season. I'm at fifty five point seven percent. You're at forty nine point two. Let's get you over five hundred this week, buddy. All right, I just need probably one game over five hundred. Yeah, I think. To get you, Yep, I think you're one game under 500. So let's get you there this week, buddy. All right, to kick it off, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns taking on the New England Patriots in New England. The Pats are favored by two and a half points. The over-under point total is 45 and a half. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt, no uh, Felton. What's the what's Felton's uh, first name? I can't remember. Dimitri, Dimitri Felton? Um, Dimitri, Dimitri something like that um the pass catching back so it's going to be dearness johnson and a lot of dearness johnson they brought in brian hill uh old atlanta falcon running back i mean how, how much can you expect from him probably nothing um so johnson he gets another opportunity to just be the bell cow guy you know go figure pff ranks dearness johnson the browns top ranked rusher and he's their best pass blocker so his efficiency numbers are through the roof he's excellent He's been excellent in his, in his usage this season. So we already talked about how running backs might just be completely irrelevant with Derrick Henry and the Titans. I kind of think that people are overreacting to this Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt news. What are your thoughts here? Makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, the Browns looked equivalently um, dominant in the run game when Dernis Johnson filled in early in the season. You know, 20-something carries, 140 yards, a touchdown. I think they're going to be fine on the ground. I think he's completely capable. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Um, and and he's, it's the primary reason why I, th- I think this is a really good buy low spot for the Browns. The overreaction to the big name losses of their running backs. Also a good sell high spot here for the Patriots. You know, they have three good wins in a row. They dominated the Jets three weeks ago. They had the win against the Chargers, their first big win of the season. They had a dominating performance against the Panthers last week. Um, you know, people are, are starting to like drink the Kool-Aid on New England. And... You know, they're not necessarily a team that, you know, they stay focused and they prioritize, you know, the routine and this, do, doing your job. But this might just be a spot where, you know, the Browns are a team that a lot of people thought of as potential dark horse Super Bowl contenders coming into the season. Are the Patriots on that level? You know, both teams have trended in opposite directions and they're meeting at a very similar point heading into this game. But the point is, like, the Browns have a pedigree of one of the league's better teams, to say the least. Are the Patriots now going to, you know, step up to the challenge? Are they going to beat, you know, win their fourth game in a row? Are they going to come into, you know, defend their home turf in, in Foxborough and and beat a team that has been playing, you know, reasonably well? A team that, you know, seems to be playing better without OBJ. They got they got rid of the locker just locker room distraction with Beckham Jr. You know, you it's, it's it's it seems like this is a really good buy low spot for the Browns, a sell high spot for the Patriots. What do you think that? I, I want I want that to be the case. Uh, you know, as the Giants anti-pass fan myself, 
but I, I, you know, there's always the belief in Darth Vader slash Bill Belichick that he's going to figure out a way to win. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a scary situation. Do, do you want to trust Baker Mayfield or do you want to trust the, the rookie NFL QB who's been very uh, sufficient in being a game manager himself the past few weeks, getting the tight ends involved, the running game has still looked very solid. No Damian Harris, possibly, without Ramondre Stevenson. Does that negate the fact that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are out? It's an interesting game. You're, you're absolutely right that these two teams seem to be meeting in the middle right now. Yeah. Last week, by the way, Baker Mayfield's most efficient game of the season. PFF graded him the second best quarterback of the last week. Actually, Justin Fields got that that top spot last week. He played really well against the uh, Steelers. He looked excellent. He's a young quarterback who is blossoming, getting better week by week. But this is about Mayfield. He threw for 218 yards last week, 66.7 completion percentage. He had a 10.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He stretched the field with four big-time throws. PF, PFF qualifies those as passes with excellent ball location, timing, generally thrown further downfield and or into a tighter window. He had zero turnover-worthy plays. He had a 132.6 NFL passer rating. He was, he was like you know the the pedig- the, the the scouting report on Baker Mayfield is that he's bad under pressure. He was even good under pressure last week. The um the 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 Bengals pressured him at a pretty reasonably high rate, but he it it was unlike him. He PFF graded him when he was pressured 34.8 percent of his dropbacks. He went three for six on his pass attempts in his in his as a he was pressured on uh, 34.8% of his dropbacks, three of six on his pass attempts. He took two sacks, but he also had three completions that were all big-time throws, netting him 104 yards. He had two touchdowns. His two touchdowns were on those pressures. And uh, PFF graded him, like I said, second-best quarterback of the Week 9. So, Baker, is he getting better, or is it just kind of... I, I also think, you know, part of it is, you know, he gets by because the running game is so effective. This offensive line is first and pass pass block win rate. Like he has all the tools around him to succeed. Is there a better situation in the NFL for a quarterback? Like, I mean, it seems like a formula for at least a, a reasonable amount of success. He does better when Odell's out. That's what it comes down to. When, when he, you might be right. There's no pressure to force feed this guy balls and he doesn't have to worry about this guy's father making a YouTube video about him and criticizing his game. He plays better. You know, there was a ton of skepticism around Baker Mayfield and he went out there and he played a great game. And I think you, it was highly motivational to hear all the smack talk being talked about him. And he said, Odell, I wish you the best. And he went out there and he played a fantastic game. PFF agrees. QBR agrees. The Cleveland Browns, the scoreboard agrees. And I think this might be motivating for this team. The fact that they were getting shit talked by one of the NFL's preeminent stars, one of the NFL's preeminent stars' fathers. You know, we got a little LeVar Ball situation going on where daddy's talking too much, you know, and, and that's got to be – that that's bulletin board material right there for a team. It, you get rid of some toxic atmosphere, you play well, and now you're going against one of the hotter teams in the league. This is a proven game for them, and I, I, do, I do lean the Browns. I think they're going to play well. I think Baker is going to show up. Yeah, and, and the Patriots on defense, they're fifth in defensive DVOA, but they're 17th against the run. That's the Browns' biggest strength. They're first in yards earned on the ground. They're first in yards per attempt on the ground. They're running the ball incredibly well, and I think that 
the the public is going to perceive this loss of Nick Chubb as a big deal. I'm telling you, Jernis Johnson is going to be more than capable of picking up the slack while Chubb's away. I think Jernis Johnson's in for a big game this week. He's going to carry this offensive attack, I believe. Also, Patriots, you know, they bank on a lot of turnover points off of turnovers. They have the one of the higher you know points off of turnovers on the season. I wrote it down somewhere. Um, but last week they had the J.C. Jackson 88-yard pick six. Um, you know Carolina they turned the ball over the fifth most times in the NFL this season. They have they have 15 giveaways. The Panthers last week, the Patriots opponents negative five turnover differential. The Browns on the other hand, they're 24th in giveaways on the season. They have a net zero turnover differential. They're not Baker Mayfield's a lot more safe with the football. It doesn't turn over as often. New England, on the other hand, while they out they get a lot of points off of turnovers, ninth most points off of turnovers this season. They've also given the football away a lot. 14 giveaways on the season. So I think you know it's a good bet to say that I, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying that this week's turnover turnover battle will likely win the game. Like the team that wins the turnover battle will win the game and, and win this outcome. Yeah, and two traditionally conservative attacks based on the run with these quarterbacks, you know, who are highly explosive players in themselves, more game managers at this point in their careers. So it makes sense that the turnover battle would be highly determinate in the outcome. Yeah. All right. So we're both Browns plus two then, huh? I think so. I plus think two so. and a half. Two and a half. I like it. All right, Connor. I think Baker Next. might come back to get us. I think Bill <laughs> Belichick might scheme up a good game plan, but I'm in the Browns. <laughs> All right. Taking on the Tennessee Titans, the New Orleans Saints go heading into Tennessee. The Titans are favored by two and a half points coming off of that dominant victory last week against the Los Angeles Rams. The over-under point total in this game is 44. So last week, you know, the Jaguars and the Broncos stole like the underdog upset storylines. If those two games didn't happen, like the Tennessee's, Tennessee Titans had like quite this surprising victory over the Rams. Um, a lot of people I think would be talking even more about that because the the everybody seemed to be writing off the titans after that derrick henry loss and, and including us we, we weren't writing them off but we were you know cautiously dropping them in our power rankings saying we got to see what this offense looks like post henry and we saw them con- to keep continue to keep the run game going they had a 56 percent success rate running the football last week and um they kept it going and, and they have a a excellent running game i think aj brown is going to continue to get better as season goes on the Julio Jones, as long as he continues to get healthier, you know, his health is always a question. He was question. I think he's still questionable heading to this game. Um, but you know, Julio needs to step up and with a bigger role, a bigger opportunity on his plate. Um, I think we, I think he will, I think, you know, Julio the rest of the season, I think is a good bet to at least have a better second half than his first half. So the Titans were more our biggest, they were our biggest mover up in our power rankings. What do you feel about you know, how do you feel about them in their matchup against the Saints this week? Yeah, it's it's very interesting. The Titans were one of our biggest movers up. Saints were one of our biggest movers down. And I think that's very helpful in predicting the outcome of this matchup. We, the, the Titans are on a hot streak. That's just what it is. They continue to play well. They shirked off the loss of Derrick Henry. The Saints have struggled. They, they have a quarterback in there that we don't necessarily like. They have a good defense, but the team hasn't performed up to expectation. Alvin Kamara dinged up, you know, one of their best playmakers. 
Michael Thomas has not been good for that situation. One of the highest paid wide receivers, and, and he's clearly been a distraction and, and a disgruntled, um, you know, player on that team. And, and I think that that's going to weigh in as well. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, for me, this is pretty easy to go on the Titans, this side. I, I think that's where, you know, the trends are pointing based on where these two teams are going. Yeah. Um, I, while well, well, I, I feel optimistic about the Titans and what their potential rest, rest of the season might look like, um, I think last week was just kind of a, a storm of all things going well for them last week against the Rams. Um, and, you know, what they did against that offensive line for Los Angeles was mightily impressive. You know, the Titans, their, their, their advanced statistics for the defensive line are well below average across the board on almost everything you look at. Press percentage, uh, pass rush, PFF grade, like all of it. And the the Rams have the third ranked pass block win rate at ESPN pass block uh, percentages. And they're, they're first in PFS, PFS pass blocking rate uh, grading system. So the Rams have an excellent offensive line. And what the Titans did to them last week, you know, Stafford was pr- pressured on 34 points, 34% or so of his dropbacks last week. And he was uncomfortable. He could not get into a rhythm. Uh, 32.7%, sorry, of Stafford's dropbacks. 18 of his dropbacks were under pressure. And they sacked him five times. They intercepted him twice. Like, he had a bad game. That was easily his worst game as a Ram. So, New Orleans, on the other hand here, taking on the Titans, they rank second in ESPN's pass block win rate. The Titans are going to have another tall task here against a, a good New Orleans Saints offensive line. My worry with the Saints, though, is no Teron, Teron Armstead, you know, the veteran tackle for the Saints. He's been their best pass blocker, according to PFF's pass blocking grades. Um, that's a big loss for them. And I think it's a bigger loss than the loss of Alvin Kamara, who Kamara, he's out for he's out for the game, knee injury. Um, like I said earlier, I think Ingram is going to be capable of picking up a good amount of the slack left behind in the running game. I think we're going to see a good game from Deontay Harris. Uh, receiver for the for the Saints. I think we're going to see a good amount of Harris receptions, short yards receptions, um, in this one. You know, picking up some of that slack with Kamara in the passing game. Harris has been building a good rep- uh, rapport with Trevor Simeon at quarterback since Simeon took over the last two games. Harris has been targeted on thirty seven and thirty nine percent of his routes, respectively, in each of the last two games. Um, I really like the over on his. Reception total, I think it's probably going to be listed around three and a half, four or so, four and a half maybe. I like it up to four and a half. I, I think Harris has at least five receptions in this game. I like his opportunity for a big one. Um, I truly just feel like this is going to be the first week that we see Tennessee feel the heavy loss of Derrick Henry. He was, we talked about it. He was involved on like 48% of, of their plays on offense when he was on the field in the first half of the season. You know, the, the New Orleans Saints defense is is probably better than the Rams defense right now. No, Von Miller hasn't played with the Rams. He didn't play with them last week. So the Rams defense, you know, they have some excellent playmakers, Ramsey, Donald. Across the board, the Saints are more consistent. And the Saints' weakness is their secondary. And with no Derrick Henry, they're going to be able to drop some guys back you know, Derrick Henry's facing a lot of stacked boxes. It'll pull back some of those guys from, you know, their defensive front, be able to use more guys in the secondary, prevent guys like double guys like A.J. Brown, make safe, have safety shade the way towards Julio Jones, preventing some of those bigger plays to the receivers. I just feel like this is going to be kind of a storm of the other direction. I think this is going to go New Orleans way. 
Um, and I'm taking New Orleans plus two and a half. Okay, Ben. Okay. All right. All right. Last game on our docket, Minnesota Vikings at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers are favored by three points. The over-under point total right now sits at 53 and a half. That's been bet up a couple points or so now. Um, I think I saw this line opened up at like two and a half Chargers. So it's been – people have been betting on L.A. here. Um, you know, the the Vikings kind of have a vibe of like some of these other teams that we've seen in recent seasons. And honestly, kind of like the 2020 Chargers, a, a team that, you know, the Chargers last year lost, lost a lot of late games. They lost a lot of late leads. They suffer mightily some from some bad luck and special teams. You know, the Vikings are 31st in football outsiders hidden points metric, which represents the advantage teams have their opponents have um, done a, against them. And, and uh, you know, it represents the advantage teams have received from elements of special teams generally outside of their control. So that's like opposing field goals, kickoff distance, punt distance, like things out of their control. The Vikings have been t- terribly unlucky in that, in those situations. It kind of just feels like they're a team that is better than their performance. And the, this week we did a, uh, you know, halfway through the season, we have some more data under our belts. I think a, a Pythagorean win total estimate is is more valid, obviously more wow. valid now than it would be earlier in the season. It's going to get more valid as we get more points under our belt. Pythagorean win total basically uses points scored and points allowed to calculate a rate of games that a team should be winning. And when comparing the Pythagorean win total calculation to teams' actual win totals, you know, he, you could kind of get a good predictive nature of how the team should perform going forward. The Vikings have 1.06 fewer wins on the season than they should. That's the sixth worst mark of anybody in the NFL this season. And some of the lower trends, you know, make sense. You got teams like the Cardinals, you know, and they're, they're winning a lot of games, but they're not like outright blowing teams away. So like some of the teams that, you know, that you would expect to have less wins, you know, it makes sense, but you know, the Vikings, it makes sense that they would be losing more games now than, than they should, you know, they're two and five and one score games on the season. And uh, they just seem to be getting a lot of bad luck. And is this an opportunity to maybe help the help, you know, help us help them, you know, for, are we predicting a turnaround at all? Are we thinking maybe the Vikings have a better second half of the year? Because, the first half has gone terribly wrong for them. It's a tough one. I mean, typically we see two NFL teams that try to win football games. This is one of the first matchups in NFL history where we have two teams that try to lose close football games near the end of the game. Um, <laughs> so this one makes it very difficult to predict who's going to end up surviving this outcome because I think it's going to be one of those situations where we have multiple missed field goals at the end of the game, maybe a couple of wacky turnovers. Just it's going to be the, the winner is going to be whoever survives this game, not whoever wins this game. It's just whoever doesn't lose it. And for me, I trust Justin Herbert just a little bit more than Kirk Cousins in a prime time situation. Just, 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 just a little bit. Like I'm trying to help the Vikings, but it, uh, it's Kirk more than Cousins just. A little I bit. just I've watched him so many times fail to perform. Her, no, no, I mean Herbert. Herbert's Herbert's a, not just a little bit better. He's he's yeah, he's a good couple saying. notches and better so than, than Cousins. Kirk Cousins, I just feel like is more likely to lose this game in this situation for the Vikings than. Justin Herbert is going to lose the game. Uh, so uh, whenever it's close in a close matchup, I just try to lean the quarterback who I think is more likely when, when the ball's in his hands in a three point game, who, who would I trust more? And, and for me, it's Justin Herbert here. 
I feel you there, and I think the Chargers are a good team, but I think the the the, the when this line reached a field goal, I was pretty comfortable taking the Vikings. That's you know, fair. The, the the Chargers' biggest Achilles heel on the season, their mo for their defense has been their lack of rush defense. They're thirty second in rush DVOA on the season. It's going to be the Achilles heel in this game, I think. You know, Dalvin Cook is the running back for the Vikings, and you know, despite the lofty expectations we had for Cook and the Vikings' running game coming to the season, Cook's been mostly disappointing on the year. He currently ranks forty third. In PFF's rush grade amongst qualified running backs, the Vikings are a team. Also, their thirtieth as a team, their thirtieth in run success rate, forty-two percent. Their offensive line is just twenty-eighth in adjusted line yards. If any opponent could help a help a, a team's rush attack get back on track, it's the Chargers. You know, Dalvin Cook is an excellent running back. Right now, I think Dalvin Cook's yardage total on this game is like ninety-one point five. I'm hammering that over. I think Dalvin Cook is going to dominate this this running defense for the Chargers. Um, they simply just can't stop them. They can't stop running backs, and That's they can't stop bet. the run. So I, I really like the, char- the the Vikings to just dominate on the ground. And and you know if that's the case, if if the Vikings are going to dominate on the ground, fifty three and a half is a pretty lofty point total. It, it might make a little sense maybe betting the under on fifty three and a half. That 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 total has been climbing. So maybe even wait till Sunday for that one to maybe reach fifty four fifty four and a half. You might get. Um, you know, if, if the Vikings are, are going to win this game, maybe you take the Vikings parlay with the under could be a good value bet. Yeah. The, the only worry I have there in taking the unders is, is the injuries to the Vikings defense with the Neil Hunter good off point. of the season. Uh, the Harrison, that is a Harrison guy so you were good. talking about with three different last Harrison names. Smith. There we go. <laughs> um, so this could be I kept getting his name wrong. I got it wrong on the last podcast too. There, there's like a 50, 50 <laughs> shot at a Mike Williams, like three touchdown, 180 yard game at this point in the season. This yeah. could be one of those situations where we see a Mike Williams explosion. Not to foreshadow yeah, no Patrick my, uh... Peterson either for the Vikings. So that might bode well for guys like Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams. Yeah, exactly. Too. So the, the, that, that would be my only concern is that there is possibility for a Chargers offensive explosion. No, that makes sense. You, you you might you want to talk me off the ledge of picking the under there. The matchup, the the plays that I'm most interested in keeping an eye on in this game, uh, third and fourth downs with the Chargers on offense and the Vikings on defense. Because sure. these these splits I was looking at, highly interesting. You know, the Chargers mo on offense has been their incredible conservativeness on on offense on first and second down, and then their incredible aggressiveness on third and fourth down. Chargers pass the ball on third and fourth downs, 81.4% of the plays that they run on those, on those. And Brandon Staley is, he's building a reputation for, you know, being a head coach that is highly aggressive on fourth down. He, he is more than happy to go for it on fourth. I think that's so, why they're so conservative on first down is because they go and yeah. go into a lot of these situations with the mindset that, Hey, we have an extra play at the end of this. Yeah. That's a good point. When you look at the splits of these two teams, you know, on, on the, the Minnesota defense versus this Chargers offense, the defense from Minnesota, they've allowed the 31st highest success rate on 34th down opponent rushes 72%. So they've allowed excellent running games against them on defense, but they've allowed the lowest allowed success rate on pass attempts, just 26% successful for opponent offenses passing the ball on third and fourth downs. And what do the Chargers love to do on third and fourth down? Pass the ball. So this is going to be an excellent matchup. You know, the Chargers offensive scheme, almost two seasons now, just incredibly aggressive approaches on third and fourth downs. And and I'm really looking forward to seeing how Herbert, you know, performs on these specific pivotal moments because, 
the Chargers are more like we've seen it throughout the season. They they play to their strength. They don't really care as much about their opponent's strengths. They're going to do what they do best. And that's been their MO all season. It's worked more often than not. If Herbert is throwing the football on third and fourth downs, which I expect him to do on most situations here, how well is he going to do it? Because the Vikings defense has been really good against opposing pass attempts on these situations. I'm really looking forward to seeing how those matchups play out. It's interesting. It's going beyond just how good is this pass defense? How good is the, you know, the team on first down? It's the comparisons, the dissection between the two. How good is the pass defense on third and fourth down specifically when this offense is most likely to pass? It's a very, it's going to be a very good matchup and to see what, what, what shakes out. But I'm glad that you went that uh, level deeper for our audience. That's cool. Yeah. The Daniil Hunter thing really hurts. He, he was their best pass rusher on the season. So that that is a good point. Also, you know, the Vikings, you know, I'm going to boost up the Vikings here. Four and one against the spread against the Chargers over the last five matchups against each Ooh. other. So I'm going to take Minnesota and to cover this three-point spread. That's going to round out my three road underdog picks here. I picked all three. We're seeing the trend develop. I, I, I have a pretty good feeling I'm going to hit at least two of them. All right. Fair enough. Right, I, I hope you don't, considering I went the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Man, one last game I wanted to quickly, quickly touch on. I kind of like the Lions this week against the Steelers. I, I like them plus eight and a half to cover especially, but I kind of want to sprinkle a little bit on the, the the actual money line for the Lions. I, you know, they only have maybe three games realistically that on their schedule that they maybe are winnable. They, they face the Bears on Thanksgiving, Atlanta in week 16. Pittsburgh last week, we we talked about how they came from behind in the, in the win against Chicago. They were up twenty to six, and they almost lost the lead to, to Justin Fields and the the Bears' offense that struggled pretty bad in many times this season. Um, you know, when is a winless team going to be more motivated to win a game coming off a bye? They've sat at home for like fourteen days now, 15. thinking about how are they going to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers this Sunday? Right. How are they going to beat them? And Dan Dan Campbell is a badass mf'er, man. He, I'm telling you, is going to pull out all the stops. He's going to pull everything out. He's going to empty the playbook, and he's going to try to win this game. And the Steelers are excellent as as uh, underdogs, pretty bad against as as favorites. You know, against the spread, they cover like 44% of the time as favorites, and then as underdogs are like 66% of the time. So we talked about that last week when I was handicapping the Bears Chicago game in my column against the ATS, you know, picks against the spread column, but. Um, I think this is a good week to fade the Steelers. It makes sense because they're a high floor, low ceiling team. So if you're talking about when they're an underdogs, because they're such a high floor, they tend to cover. Yeah. But because they're such a low ceiling, low explosiveness team, they can't beat a lofty spread. It completely makes sense in the analysis that you're giving because it's what we're seeing on the field. It's completely representational. They don't have big plays, so they're not able to cover a large spread. They're not going to cover eight and a half against the uh, against the lions this yeah. week you're out for buy. i can't it's a wait it's a great bet it's a great touch i can't wait to see what dan campbell has in store for this team i think he's gonna do a fake punt i wouldn't be surprised to see an onside kick maybe high blitz field. rates like he's gonna they're gonna they're gonna fall down and bite off someone's kneecap like we're gonna see a literal <laughs> representation of what dan campbell has been trying to manifest in the first half of the season the they're a winless loose. team they're possibly the most hungry team this week. They've had so much time to just sit in their own filth of an 0-8 start of the season. And they come back into Week 10 now, motivated as heck to get that first one of the season. I think that at the very least, they're a great bet to cover that 8.5-point spread. That's a good one. I like it. All right, Connor. 
let's roll into our DFS selections here. We're doing really well in our DFS. Can you tell our listeners the stats on what we've been uh, performing there uh, for D- daily fantasy sports selections or lineups for the NFL season so far? Yeah, absolutely. So if we're looking back at the last three weeks, uh, we're looking at I had 107, you had 111 in week seven. Then we had a great week in week eight. I had 148, you had 131. Week nine, I only put up 96, which was 64th percentile. Not as bad as you would think it was a lower scoring week. But Ben, you have 166. You absolutely smashed last week. Lamar Jackson, Nick Chubb. Cash. Brandon Ayuk, Houston Cash. defense even with a big week. I think 15 <laughs> points well above expectation. You absolutely crushed it. So season long, we're looking at – let me get to my summary page. We're looking at a cash rate of 78% for you, 56% for me. Shutching. Two-thirds of the time we're cashing on the season. You're averaging 131 per game. I'm averaging a respectable 119. But you are absolutely running the tables lately, especially with that 166 score last week. Congratulations. We're both doing well, but you are crushing. Man, you would think I would be doing better in my personal plays. Like, I, I, I don't use DraftKings. So the price mm. is a little bit different on FanDuel. Yes, it is. And, and I, I, I've won maybe like half the time I've played in in, in DFS this season. Fair, I don't play every week personally. Your actually, DraftKings lineup soon because yeah. you were locked out for multiple weeks, so you you, you couldn't translate <laughs> DraftKings, it either. DraftKings locks me out. Yeah, they, they was locked my too account. Too much money, guys. That was the issue. They're like, <laughs> this guy's a pro. He, he's doing something shady. We gotta knock him out of here. They locked his they locked his cash pool right there. He's been yeah. sending me his picks. I've been playing them, so I've been cashing in. Luckily. <laughs> All right, man. I hope our listeners are doing just as well too. All right, Connor. Want to talk about our selections here for Week Ten? Absolutely. So you want me to go ahead and get my roster first? Go ahead, buddy. All right, a quarterback. Tom Brady, he's going against the Washington defense. They're the 28th against the pass. Brady's leading the league uh, in MVP right now. He, he's the GOAT. <laughs> he's just so fantastic. It's hard to fade. You can't find another more consistent quarterback out there. Running back, I'm going with James Conner. Mr. 40 points last week, an absolute stud with Chase, Chase Edmonds out. He's only 6,300. He's a smash play. There's a theme to my running back selections because the next guy is Dernis Johnson, another great value play at 4,700. He's going to be filling in for the injured Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt once again, going against New England D, which is surprisingly 25th against fantasy running backs. So it's actually a very positive matchup. My wide receiver won, A.J. Brown, 7,800. New Orleans D is actually 29th against the pass. There's no Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown's been hot. I like his hot streak to continue here. I'm thinking Marshawn Lattimore is not going to shadow A.J. Brown. I think he sees some Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, so should be good opportunity still for him not to be completely locked down one-on-one. Mike Evans is my stack with Tom Brady, 6,900. Chris Godwin out. I don't know if there's a better smash play in the week and a better value play. Mike Williams, I'm trying to go for some upside here. This is a risky one. This is going to be a differentiator if he actually does go off. He's only 6,600 against Minnesota. With the injuries on Minnesota's defense, I think this is a good chance to take a chance on Mike Williams this week. Uh, tight end Tyler Conklin, 
he's got a few weeks in a row with high yardage totals. We're looking at 71, 57, and 45 with three, five, and five catches. He's only 3,400. With that high yardage total base, he should be a safe play. If he gets a touchdown, then you're in fantastic shape. And my flex, I'm going with A.J. Green. DeAndre Hopkins is unlikely to play on Sunday or at least questionable. If he is at least slowed down by that hamstring injury, I think he sees a lot of targets, especially in the red zone. I think he's looking to make up for that play when he didn't turn back for the football when the Cardinals had a chance to ice the game. <laughs> A.J. Green the flex. I think, uh, you know, some retributions in, in the cards right now for the Cardinals. And then last but not least, I'm going with the New York Jets. They're the cheapest defense. But they're getting the Buffalo Bills, who have been just absolutely reeling on offense. If Josh Allen can't bounce back this week, the Jets defense might be a sneaky play. They're the cheapest defense in, in DraftKings this week. So they are. You are you were able to, to squeeze in some more value across your roster. I was. I you know just... the wide receivers I have <laughs> just super high potential, super low floor between AJ Brown, Mike Evans, and Mike Williams. But I'm shooting for the stars. This, you know, I'm going for the million maker right no, now, baby. That's hilarious. It's like imagine throwing jump balls to those three guys. Like who would who would come out on top? The jump ball in the between air. those three and the height and just bodies. Oh. <laughs> An Aaron Rodgers hail mary to those three receivers. Who come who catches it? Richard Rodgers. <laughs> All right, man. All right, let me let me read you off my my players here. Um, Carson Wentz, my my quarterback spot here for the uh, my day, my DFS line fifty nine hundred dollars. He's been excellent over the last few weeks. Jacksonville, I mean, um, Jacksonville's defense has been pretty horrendous against the pass. Um, I know they they uh, were able to stifle Josh Allen last week, but I think it was more like the Josh Allen Josh Allen type of. Um, Think like vibes, like they couldn't both play on the same field at the same time. <laughs> Only one could win. Josh Allen for the Jaguars ended up taking that one. I like Wentz. You know his his name isn't Josh Allen, so I think this is a good matchup for, for Wentz against the Jaguars. Um, my, my running back here also Col- Colts player Jonathan Taylor. He's been absolutely dominant. He's finishing this season at again as like the RB one overall. Same thing as last year. We saw him finish strong. He's t- taking over as you know possibly one of the fantasy footballs most elite running back options, $8,100. I was happy to pay up for him. Jacksonville's defense has not been excellent against the run this season. I think, you know, that was the Bills flaw last week. They were not able to run the football. They they, they refused to try. And I think the, the Colts are not going to refuse to try. You know, Taylor is their best player. I think he's going to have a big week against the, Jag, the Jaguars. Let me go with Dalvin Cook in my RB2 spot. I'm going with basically two RB1s. You know, I got Dalvin Cook, $8,000, taking on the the... Los Angeles Chargers, who are dead last in rush DVOA. This is an excellent smash play for Dalvin. You know, like I said earlier, he, he's been struggling on the season. This is going to be what I'm banking on as a get-right game for Dalv. Dalvin. I don't think I don't think everybody calls him Dalv. I'm not on that. I like that. We'll start the trend. Dalvin, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Yeah, so I'm going. With, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cook with Dalvin Cook. Um, let me go on my wide receiver spot. DK Metcalf as my wide receiver one, sixty-eight hundred dollars. DK Metcalf. And Russell Wilson are just one of the NFL's most adorable couple. And, and I think DK is going to be so happy to have Russell back throwing him the football. He was he was not bad with, um, you know, Geno Smith throwing him the ball. But, you know, Russ is back. You know, he's going to be looking to his favorite, favorite target early and often, I think. And I really like DK Metcalf as my wide receiver one on the week. Wide receiver two, I'm going to go Michael Pittman Jr. Stacking him again with this Colts offense. I like them for a big game against the Jags Damn, this week. Colts triple 6,300 6, for, for, uh, for Pittman here. He's the wide receiver nine on the season right now. And you, 
I, I had some success with this stack earlier, like in I think week eight. I'm I'm going back to the well here. I think Pittman's in for a big game against the Jags. I like him as my wide receiver two spot. And then my wide receiver three, this is my value of the week. Deontay Harris, wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Talked about him briefly in our section with the Saints and Titans game. The Titans defense has allowed the most average points in DraftKings lineups to opposing wide receivers. 48 points on average per game to wide receivers in DraftKings. The Tennessee Titans defense is not as good as they looked last week against the Rams. That's the fact. And Deontay Harris, like I said, building a better rapport with young quarterback Trevor Simeon. Well, youngish. You know, Simeon's, you know, been in the league a little while now, but He's been targeted on 37 and 39% of his routes run over the last two games, respectively. He's he's growing into a bigger role with the Saints. He's a rookie. You know, it makes sense. He's going to be growing, at, you know, learning the offense more. He's going to be getting better as the season goes on. I like Harris it, big time, just $4,000. I, I think you're going to get a good, you know, 10 to, to maybe 20 points here. I, I would like him for a touchdown, at least five, at least five catches. I think Harris is in for a good game. And then my tight end spot, Dan Arnold. We talked about him as waiver wire stashes. I like him as a DFS play as well. 3,500, getting some value here. You know, the Jags, the tight end for the Jags has been seeing an increased target share here ever since the loss of DJ Chark and, uh, you know, LaVisca Chenault getting injured. I, th I think Chenault's playing this game, um, but Arnold's kind of established himself as a go-to guy for the Jags offense. Um, you know, they trade, they went out and traded for him, someone that, you know, they wanted to prioritize some usage to. And uh, I like his opportunity for a good game here. Excellent value for just 3,500. I was able to get some uh, more explosive players across my lineup by getting a, a guy like Arnold here in my tight end spot. My flex, same reasons you got um, in, in your lineup. I'm going to go with De De Dearness Johnson, uh, 4,700. Dearness is just a smash play this week. I think he's going to be in almost every DFS lineup. And you're a fool if you keep him out unless you want to be contrarian, try to uh, try to find value across other spots in um, – in DFS, but if if Johnson goes off, or even if he has just a good game, you're going to be losing out because he's only forty seven hundred dollars. Just bang for your buck. That is just too good of an opportunity to pass up. He's going to be starting, getting all of the workload. Like I said earlier, Brian Brian Hill is the only backup for this Browns rushing attack in this game. Johnson is going to be in for a heavy usage rate. New England's weakness on defense is their rush, their rush defense. And so Johnson's going to be relied on heavily to lead this Cleveland Browns offense to a victory. I like his opportunity for a big game in real football and in DFS. My, my defense, I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. And it's kind of funny. I said the Titans defense isn't as good as they showed last week. But they were pretty damn good last week. And value, I, I think it was there. a good value. Yeah. It's a good value. And that's the point here. They're only 2,600. It's hard to find good value at the bottom of the barrel for opposed, um, for defenses in DFS. And, uh, you know, the Saints are throwing out Trevor Simeon, who I don't like necessarily. I don't think Simeon's going to be able to run up the score on the Tennessee Titans. Um, no Alvin Kamara for the Saints. And uh, the explosiveness of New Orleans, their offense is just very limited. And so while the Titans maybe won't be able to rush the quarterback quite as well, I anticipate, as they were last week, I think they at least limit, limit the explosiveness of this Saints offense. Only $2,600. I think it's a good value. I like it. Those are DFS lineups. Any other values you wanted to highlight before we uh, give it a, a wrap-up? 
Yeah, I think Dak Prescott and Josh Allen could be interesting value plays coming off of bad weeks. They might be low percentage owned. So just based on that, they could be interesting values. If Chris Godwin is this time, Tyler Johnson is a great play. He's only 3,300. Friermuth is an interesting play along with Deontay Johnson. Now with Claypool yeah. and Juju Smith-Schuster out, wanted to highlight those two. Um, additionally, there were a couple other plays. Um, so Christian Mike, McCaffrey, Mike White is a DFS play, right? Mike, Mike White's the number one one dfs play of the week he's netted some people some big money <laughs> um, but I, just i think this week is interesting because christian mccaffrey although he's the highest uh highest uh price running back at 8400 this is probably the lowest price you're going to find christian mccaffrey at because his floor is so high he's just so multi-talented uh especially if they have a backup quarterback in there they're going to be relying on christian mccaffrey even more um yeah. so i think that 8400 for him uh, while it seems pricey, he was going for 10,000, 10,800 I mean, last year. So if you consider that, yeah. it's, a, it's a decent discount, a good value play. It was, it was comical. We were talking pre pot on pre on the podcast. Um, you know, he didn't have a good week last Bad week. week. He, 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 and he still scored 14.6, uh, DraftKings points. So and you're definitely not I mean, his the water floor, there if you have that. His floor is so high. It's like, it's, it's almost worth the $8,400 just to know that you're going to bank in some points there. Yeah, absolutely. Some right, other anybody guys else? to mention, just Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, if there is a Josh Allen bounce back game. Melvin Gordon, I think, is a surprising one, too. If you look at his recent performance, 10, 11, 20, and 18, uh, he's got 21 carries his last game. His yeah. usage has still been very high, even though people consider him in a split workload. I think he could be an interesting play at uh, just a little over 5,000. Keep an eye on James Robinson's health as well. He's $6,200 priced out in DraftKings. Um, you know, the Colts defense, they have been good against the, the run, but, you know, if he misses, if he misses, you know, Carlos Hyde is only 5000 so that might be a decent play there as well. I actually like Javante Williams, though. Javante mm. Williams is someone who I think is going to be continue to grow both as season goes like on. X, yeah, I like Melvin Gore and I like Javante Williams. I think both can have decent games here. Philadelphia's run defense has allowed the 26 most fantasy points in DraftKings lineups this season. So um, it's not a bad play at either one. But I like I like the values you've, you've presented here. I think we have we have a good bundle there. Um, and, and and I think we're gonna have our specific individual lineups. I think we have some 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 guys that we highlighted in there as well that. I'm banking on a pretty good game out of out of pretty good games out of our, our lineups this week. Let's get you back in in the uh, the cash zone, buddy. Let's hit, let's get your lineups cashing and and let's have some success here. And still hitting above fifty percent. Bad week last week. The the Chiefs, man, they they killed me, Smalls. But I, I mean, I'm running if, some if, cold. If so I, I'm feeling better. If we haven't Brady. learned anything. If we haven't learned anything from this NFL season so far, it's the, it's the fact that now every team has a bad week. Yep. Like literally every team, and including ATA, us as a team. Like I, I've I've had some pretty bad best bet weeks. I've had some some pretty bad AT uh, picks against the spread weeks. Like it happens. It happens. And, and the Bills lose to the Jaguars. You know it happens. You know the, the Cowboys get dominated by the Broncos. Like. You know, shit happens. Like Forrest Gump, you know, remember that the 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 bumper sticker on Forrest Gump? He's like, he steps in poop and and she's like, you got poop on your shoes, and he's like, shit happens. It happens, you know. <laughs> oh shit. 
Oh, are we going off the rails now? All right. Let's, uh, is it, I feel like I, I, I've lost our listeners by now. If you're still listening, you know, much appreciated. You're a loyal <laughs> fan. <laughs> if you're still listening at this point, let us know what point in the show you're at. Hit us a DM and we'll shoot you a free ATA shirt or free ATA hat. Either one. Request it from us. If you request it, I will actually send it. 100% honesty. This I'm is leaving a test. this in the pod. This is a test I'm to see if this. you're still listening at this point in the pod, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible look. I'm leaving this in the pod. You are going to be giving out Don't some free shirts. I, I I hope. I really hope. We'll see. I'll, I'll Please take, take advantage of this. Everything completely free. DM just DM. DM say, Connor. Hey, I listened to the pod. I want a free shirt or I want a free hat. Send me the size and your address. <laughs> I will send it to you completely free. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're we're promoting ATA. We're having fun. We're talking NFL football, man. This has been a hell of a podcast episode. Let's go. <laughs> All right, buddy. That's gonna do it here. Uh, want to lift list off your DFS lineup really quick one last time for our listeners. Absolutely. So to start it off, I got the goat, Tom Brady, James Conner, Dernis Johnson. Wide receivers, I'm going with A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, and Mike Williams. Got a little Mike trend going on there. Tight end, Tyler Conklin. Wide receiver in my flex, A.J. Green. And then in my defense, I have the New York Football Jets. All right. I'm going with Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook. Wide receivers, D.K. Metcalf, Michael Pittman Jr., Deontay Harris. Tight end, Dan Dan Arnold. Flex play uh, Dearness Johnson and my DF uh, my defense and special teams is the Tennessee Titans taking on the New Orleans Saints. All right, Connor. So I, I know we're biased here, but you know my lineup's probably better this week. Oh, sheesh! <laughs> I think we were around fifty percent voting last week. I, a lot of people were riding my Chiefs lineup, unfortunately, and I'm sorry yeah. to anybody who did choose them. It's goddamn Ben's lineup is a lot better. Uh, we'll see how it goes, buddy. I, I, I'm getting too cocky. I feel like I'm now just going to tank and ha- the, the Colts are going to do nothing on offense. You're and... hot lately. You're 6-3 and three versus <laughs> me uh, on the season. And uh, let's see, you've won. Winner, so I won two winner gets week- a trip to Germany. I won two weeks ago, but you've won four out of the last five, which is uh, not Win- great. Winner of, we agree that the winner of our DFS plays on the season, we'll get a free trip to Germany paid out of the pocket of, of the other person at ATA. If you want to impersonate me and you can go on this work trip, then sure. But it might be a tough sell at the German border when you're trying to get in with my ID and they say, are you six foot five? And they pull out the measuring stick. <laughs> All right, bro. Like soft, soft flex of your height over there. Like, you know our listeners who are like below 5A are to be like, I can't trust this guy anymore. I figured it was safer to go for height instead of bringing up like race or hair color or anything else. You know? We look nothing alike we if not you haven't seen us. Like good friends, not, not good uh, matches if we were having to do we a are not brothers. No, we are absolutely not. All right, man. That was a blast. Love talking the uh, the NFL Week 10 with you. It's a fun and, Friday uh, night, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and safe travels to you, you know, in all seriousness, you know, um, hope you have a, a really fun trip and, and a good time in Germany and abroad and hope everything goes well for you out there um, and, and be safe, obviously. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be heavily tested for COVID to make sure you know, I'm safe and worst comes to worst, I get stuck in uh, Europe for a couple of weeks on the company's dime. <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll try to contract it. Who knows? Uh, edit that, edit, edit that out on. of the podcast. <laughs> edit, edit that out. That's not negative. <laughs> All right, man. Tell our listeners about all things analysis, 
all things analysis and what we have going on right now. On a weekly basis, we're publishing updated NFL power rankings. So if you're trying to make a Super Bowl bet, you can see who we like rest of season. Additionally, we're talking about our DFS plays of the week. We're talking about Ben's best bets, where you're talking about awesome parlays, some prop bets, some fun mixing uh, going on there. And then, of course, teasers just- have been down recently. Teasers, by the way, not doing so hot. And you know what? It's like life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. But if you keep hitting the analytical trends, references, I love it. You're gonna find it. You're gonna find the. You're gonna find the right chocolate. You're not gonna get the coconut filled one. You're gonna get the caramel, and that's what we're all about. So keep trying. Keep putting the shots out there. Trust the analytics. Trust the trends. Uh, And last but not least, our picks against the spreads, where we break down every single game of the week. Ben's been doing an awesome job digging into the analytics, picking out some trends, and then I just throw my pick on there. And of course, I'm doing okay. You know. Like we said, one pick under 500, it's coming. You know, I, I, I come to the site every single week. It's, it's, it's all there for you. It's, uh, it's all free too. So absolutely awesome. All right, man. That's going to do it here. Vicious Talk with Benny P. Please subscribe and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on all your podcast platforms. Spotify lets you put stars on podcasts now. Please just really support, uh, re- appreciate the support. Just go on there. Give us five stars. If you don't think we're a five-star podcast, like I think of, of um, you know, that all, always sunny in Philadelphia, Dennis Reynolds, like I'm a five-star man. Like we're a five-star podcast. Like Vicious Talk with Benny P is a five-star podcast. You know if you, if, I'm going to extend if you disagree, the offer, send us a DM. Um, so if you give us a five-star rating, you screenshot it as well and you send it to us in the DM, Love it. I will also send you a hat or a t-shirt. One or the other. Love it. Okay? You can't beat that here. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Free. Can't free. Let us know. Show us that who, review. Who Show us the five stars. Who doesn't love free stuff? You know, it's free. It's a hundred percent bribe. This is a bribe. This is tapes. Yeah. All things analysis. FBI. Instagram handle. All things analysis. Yeah. <laughs> We're not above all it. Right, Let's Connor. go. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Safe travels to Germany. Had a lot of fun with the year. Episode ninety-one in the books. Don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day: Are you vicious? <laughs>